Hey there, I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, discuss season three of You and Prime's new show Tampa Bay's, and take a look at what's coming out in theaters. So remember to rate, review, and follow. And stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome into Our Taste is Trash, and uh, I'm here with well, me, Josh, who as you already know, and we have... Jade. Yeah, there we go. We're going to say our names more times in the show. We're going to get it right one, yeah. one of these days, because we're real podcasters now. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, yeah. We're getting there, but it's been quite a few episodes now. So. Oh, man. So how, how's your week been, Jade? I've been uh, just kind of working. Got to see a few new shows, but um, I don't I didn't really do anything exciting. Just hung out with the dogs, took them to the park once, and that was about it. Yeah. I had my mom in town, uh, oh, nice. so that was fun. And uh, I got a few watches in, but not a ton, because her and I, you know, did some stuff, went to a comedy show, saw Jay Moore. Oh. Uh, he was what? actually pretty good. Why do I know Jay Moore? He's what? an actor, but I actually didn't know he's a stand-up comedian and then i saw stand-up comedy and i was like not a bad stand-up comedian nice nice any anything fun from the show or any any good lines god you know now i can't remember but <laughs> honestly i thought it was pretty great because uh the weekend he was in town the rolling stones were also in town oh, and that's he right. just basically chat all over the rolling stones <laughs> and he made fun of them so hard and i was like yeah absolutely it's so hard to believe that some of those bands are still touring like you know our our grandparents, some of our grandparents, yeah. could have seen them in concert because they've been touring since, what, the fucking 70s? Yes. Which is like well, 50 years. One of his bits was he took the stool from the stage and was like, this is the guys now. He's like, first of all, you only have three out of the five because two of them died. <laughs> and then he was like basically walking around the stage using the stool as a walker. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but he's not wrong. I saw like, you know, I saw Who in concert a few years back and like there's only... I think two original members of that band. I think like the guitarist yeah, or like Pete Townsend and Pete Townsend else. is. Oh my god, he's. I mean, he's older. Like he's overweight now. He was so sweaty and like just looked like he was gonna pass out and out of breath by the end of the show. There. And it's like I was like genuinely concerned. Like I'm like, is anyone checking? Like I think somebody needs well, to take his fucking blood pressure or something. Like we're supposed to go to a Who concert and they had to cancel it because I think one of them got like pneumonia or something. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, instead, like of, instead of like drugs and like chicks back, you know, all they had back there is like Pedialytes and, and like supplements. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which honestly would be me. There's a table full of pills and it's just vitamins and like, <laughs> like they're crushing up and they're like men's daily vitamin. <laughs> You're like partying it up back here, guys. And it's like fucking smoothies. Like, and like, oh, you putting some shit in there. Yeah. It's uh, for my arthritis. <laughs> just emergency. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Is, <laughs> anyway, yeah. we should probably talk about some movies and some films. Uh, I yeah. did watch a few things. Um, you know you know what I did watch this week uh, and finish up? You talked about it a little bit on the show a few weeks ago, but I binge watched it. Me and the and the wife, Danielle, we, we got into it. We finally decided to watch the third season of You. God, finally. <sighs> All right. I don't want to take up the whole show talking about this, Shade, but like, <laughs> there's some great things. Yes. And there's just some just fucking... Yes. God. Agreed. Why? Yeah. So first of all, Paul Beck Beglia Beg Beck. What's his name? What's what is the you the one from Gossip Girl? What is his the actor's Pen name? Pen Badgley. Pen Badgley. There. Like, Who the fuck is Paul? <laughs> <laughs> My brain broke on that one. <laughs> 
I, you know, I'm stuck on Paul from Dune. That's why I like. Ah, uh, yes, know. Paul Atreides. <laughs> First of all, there were some amazing TikToks that you and I shared back and forth after oh, this God. week of doing it. Where like, there was this TikTok of a guy, <laughs> and they're like, all of the names in Dune, and it's like. I am from the house Arcades, going to the planet Arrakis, and I'm going to bring with me my Chucky Kentucky, Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my soldier Chucky Kentucky. <laughs> it's like Dan Idaho, Dan Idaho, <laughs> something. Oh my god, it was so fucking good. <laughs> it was like Bradley Boston. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so fucking it's so true though like you can't take like what, what's his name in the show the uh, it's idaho something I think it idaho. Is idaho duncan uh, idaho that's duncan what it is. Idaho. it's so hard to take that into context because like you know you, yeah. you're you're riding the line between the sci-fi where everything has these fanciful names like freaking yes. game of thrones or like yeah. uh What's the other one? I think like Lord of the Rings. Arrakis. Yeah. Arrakis. Arrakis. Yeah. And all this. And then you're like, and now we have Duncan. Oh, and our savior is Paul. Paul. And you're yeah. like, Because it's like, yeah, this like, like last name that sounds like very like ancient, like Greek or Roman, like Atreides. Oh. Right. And then you have like, yeah, Paul, oh. Jessica and Duncan over here. Oh, good Lord. Jesus but anyway, let's, let's bring yeah. it back to you. So, uh, Anyway, <laughs> Penn yes. is a fantastic actor. Like, I really noticed it this season, especially with, like, his voiceover work and just Oh, his voiceover character. work is brilliant. I mean, just the entire character that he creates, he, he literally carries the show on his back. Like, he is the person 100%. that drives everything. Yeah. What I did like is that this season actually did take a little deviation from previous seasons. Like, he's not obsessed with someone. follow being... the same formula. Exactly. Where I yeah. felt like 2 was getting a little, like... Okay, we've done this before, but we're just doing it a little bit different. Right. Season three kind of throws you for a loop because, you know, he starts this whole, oh, I'm going to, spoiler for those of you who haven't seen and want to, but I mean, we're going to dive right in. Yeah. His wife loves, kills his interest, right? Like in episode one. Yeah. Because you think he's going to spend the rest of the episode trying to get with Natalie, but Natalie immediately is into him. Yes. He doesn't have to do all these crazy things, stalker things that he normally does. She immediately is like, yeah. We're going to, I want to fuck you. But then, I mean, let's just skip forward. Yeah. I want to give everything away to the end where at the end of the, the season, Ugh. I was getting so frustrated because I could predict almost everything that was well, going to happen. It started to fall apart. It, it was, did. it got too messy the, at I that mean, point. They had killed, I mean, by the end of the season, they'd already killed like two or three people. Yes. They were about to kill three or four more, and you're yeah. just like, "Holy shit! Like, how many people can you kill? Cover in this, this town? up anymore? No. Yeah, like I was getting stressed because I'm like, I don't understand where they're going from here because there's too many people involved now. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how you're gonna get out of this one. They and kept locking people up in the stupid safe. Yes. They they, yeah. they started just killing, well, like injuring knew, random people. I like, knew by the end he was gonna have to take care of love. Oh, I see. I knew, I was like either when I see I kind of cheated and looked ahead and I saw there was a season uh, four. Like it's it said like hey because they already had the little ticker on Netflix. That well, I knew season there was gonna coming, be a season four, and I figured that he was more important than she was, and I was like he's gonna 1, kill her. He's gonna kill her. I mean, I knew that from the beginning because I was like the 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 dynamics between the two of them were gonna have to end because otherwise you lose what the show's about, which yes. is him stalking women and it, you can't keep doing that with your wife and kid but you know there's this one annoying couple that i love that was oh and, you know what i'm talking about sherry and carrie yes. who in the beginning they set you up to like absolutely hate them and then by the end i was like 
they were the best fucking part of this entire season. They're they the were, most suburban couple ever. Like they were incredible. Like she's like an influencer, and yeah. he's like that. Like oh, bro, everything's gotta be so positive, man. You gotta make yourself better yeah. all the time. Yeah, all the he time, was bro. like, I'm Mr. Bro, manly bro. Man. I'd let let's go eat meat. And we're gonna have this man's time out in the woods where we're gonna be manly men. Oh god. And honestly, though, I. I, I the oh just but what they do at the end after it's everything it's I just grew to love them I was like they're kind of brilliant yeah. like they they know exactly who they are yes you know what I mean it's like it seems like they're fake but they're actually not it's just genuinely they do what they do to make themselves happy and say fuck everyone else and I'm uh, like 100 percent right. I mean basically I think what I'm saying with you if you've watched the first two seasons and you've gotten over the parts that frustrate you yeah you're gonna be fine in season yeah. three like, you'll, you'll enjoy it but yeah. I think. By the time the ending actually comes around, they do bring it back. Yeah, I can say that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with there. Yeah. But what, what else did you see this this week that was interesting, Jane? So I um I started the new reboot of Forty Four Hundred on oh. the CW, um, which is a show very similar to like you know the Returned and uh, other shows like that, where basically these people from the past get sucked into this like growing green light and they all get basically put into the future. So they all come into the future at the exact same time. And there's 4,400, so there's 4,400 people okay. that arrive. And the government takes them all, puts them in this hotel to try to figure out what the hell happened. And they start to realize that they're all from different timelines, they're all from different backgrounds, and they're from all over the world. But uh, as they're in this hotel, they start to discover that some of them have powers, like telekinesis uh, and the ability to heal. So... It's super interesting, um, and what I actually really like about this show—it's a—I've noticed it's a predominantly black cast, and mm. I appreciate in the level that it's not so much. I mean, CW does have this habit of trying to be diverse, but then actually making it really bad. Where this, <laughs> like, it, yeah, it's not really uh, on the the race of the characters. It's just some of the shows are bad. Right? It just, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It, it, well, it's almost just like they're getting it wrong, and you're like, that's yeah. not how you actually represent people, but. So <laughs> So far, it seems like they're doing a really good job. So That's I hope this continues to be um, a great show and then, you know, really get some traction. You know what? I finally saw an episode of this week, Jade, that we talked about months ago here on the podcast is Tampa Bay's. Oh, I, I had to. That's right. It I finally did it, premiered. I did it last night just because I was like, I want to have something to talk so, about. Yes. For, uh, <laughs> we could spend a whole show. We should probably come back to this after you've had a chance. Honestly, I know you haven't seen it yet. I feel Jay, we need to dedicate a mini-sode we, just we, to talking we about do. We need a whole mini-sode or like yes. maybe we need to bring uh, Walt Bacon back to do a oh. whole trash because this is definitely going to be just n- 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 like like yeah. little nibbles From of what trash I've seen, TV. It seems like they primarily are in St. Pete. It's 50% of the show is in St. Pete. Which is hilarious because I'm like, it's Tampa Bay. Half of the show is it. And they keep saying like, our Tampa house. And I'm like, you're not in fucking Tampa. You're in St. Pete. It's not... Not That's not Tampa. It's not the same. Yeah. And then also, you're going to love this, Jade. So, like, the bar that they hang out at that they say is, like, the it place for the lesbian scene, which, listen, Jade, I, I might not be the authority on the <laughs> lesbian scene for sure in Tampa, but I can tell you that it's not happening at the bar called the White Lock. Oh, no, shut up. That they is, did not they say. show that bar, no. like, seven times I, in the first episode. And for those are not from Tampa... The, no, I'm telling you, they talk about it by name, Jade. The characters, the people in the show talk about oh the God. white lie Listen, several times. For those listening that are not from the Tampa area, you have to understand, 
The White Lie uh, is a fairly new bar, but it's an it has historic, to be less than a year old, right? It's for sure, but it's in a historic part of our city called Ebor City. It took over this shitty bar that used to be firefighter themed, which took oh, yeah. over the Green Iguana, which was there forever. The Green Iguana sign is still in the back of the building. I'm pretty sure it's still on the back of the building, painted on the brick. Yeah. Yes, and they never changed the shape of the sign in the front. And let me just tell you that location. I still call it the Green Iguana. Josh, I still call it that, that location was my first job. I was a hostess <laughs> there, um, and it is absolutely hilarious to me that that's that's the bar that's the white bar. lie yeah Jesus that they talk Christ. about yeah, i know so i know bartender just, there that should too. just tell you everything you need to know about this show <laughs> I like, gotta, i'm gonna ask my friend who bartends there about it and be like hey so like what's going on well, so but i mean what they do get right is i mean they do say like hey this is where a lot of people in the lgbtq community to hang out is in ybor which is true because yeah. there are a ton of oh, gay absolutely it's, it's called gay bar is one of the nicknames for yeah. ybor we because like bar honeypot like so social, many bars that Bradley's. are known gay bars there yeah. and they have you know lesbian nights gay like all these yeah. things like that but like it was so funny to me like watching the first episode and seeing the white lies so many times and them like talking about going there like paying they have to be. to be mentioned they have to be that's crazy they have to be because no one i did not that i go out anymore i mean we've been in a pandemic and like i'm getting old but like that is not a bar where anyone has ever told me like let's go meet at this bar oh zero times has that happened in my life no zero times I, if anything you go it's to like brass monkey or like double decker yeah. coyote ugly a, something a bar that's been there for more than five minutes you know yeah. so uh, anyway the show itself let me just say if you've watched any reality show that involves very att- i mean there's some very attractive people in this in this oh i love show for sure but I mean, it is so heavily scripted, and you can just tell oh, they're like they try to create beef. Are, are they on the these... beach like twenty four seven? Uh, actually, about half of it. But okay. like, still, they're like you know, it's it's like they pit couples against each other. Uh, like, oh, these people want to be the queen bees of the lesbian scene of Tampa. It's not a thing in Tampa. No, it, like this town overall is not like that. Yes, Tampa can get a We're little not clicky, like Miami or no. like New York or uh, no Atlanta. Like this is not. Like they that. act like these people are so. There's all this drama going on between these people, and I'm like. You can't convince me that you know, that's real. I looked at all you their Instagrams uh, before the show, and I didn't even see any of the other people in it featured yeah. on their Instagram, which makes me believe they did not even know each other probably before the show started, to be honest. I mean, I will say what is fun, though, is seeing, like, they do a great job of showing the city of Tampa and St. Pete That's and everyone cool. else like that. So like, it's kind of fun, like seeing all these locations and like people talking about it and even talking about like moving between Orlando and Tampa. And I'm like, I've lived in all these places and I know these places are talking about it. It's kind of funny to like hear it dramatized yeah. or like see it glorified. And it's, right. it's interesting. And I'm like, I wonder what this will do overall for like the brand of Tampa, if it'll change it at all or well, make it a little more exciting. I'd say between uh, Tampa Bay's and the Michelin guy, we're really <laughs> oh, on the map now, moving guys. Up. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> before we take a break, I want to uh, very quickly get into our movie this week. Movie review. First book. Which is The French Dispatch by another Wes Anderson film. And just some initial thoughts, Jade. What did you? We just literally got out yeah. of the theater not too long ago. Right. Just finished watching this. What were your first thoughts about it? Honestly, it felt like classic Wes Anderson. I think we kind of veered off a little bit with Isle of Dogs. And I love Grand Budapest, but it the story wasn't as tight for me as like I think a traditional Wes Anderson. And this kind of just took me back, you know? And I just think the visuals were wonderful and the acting was superb. I, I haven't been this I'll say you know what I thought? I didn't take a ton of notes because we were in a theater. Right. I was just so happy to be in a theater watching this. Like this is the yes. first movie 
I, I mean, I've seen a couple of movies since the pandemic, but like this was the first time I felt just genuinely happy to be in a theater. Like I yeah. was like, this is what I want to be watching. Like Wes Anderson, great stuff, classic, what I, everything I expected and a little bit more and a little bit different. So, yes. I mean, yeah, I know that's all of that doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I mean, this is something I definitely am going to watch again when it comes out on streaming. Oh, me too. This is something that I, I would 100% recommend go seeing it in theaters. Like, this is something that is made for the big screen. It's something that you would definitely, someone who loves film. Yes. Should see this in theaters. Absolutely, yeah. Anyone who definitely has a love and understanding of cinema and film itself, this is something you, you're going to want to watch in theaters. It, and like they said in the description, it is a love letter. And we'll talk more about this, but there's a lot of nudity for a Wes Anderson movie <laughs> in this. Like, there are... I, I wrote down tits yeah, in so my notes. I was like... Don't bring your kids. No. like, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, it's done tastefully. It's done very... I would say very European in the way it's done. And, and like I said, we'll take more about this. But I mean, it was just surprising for a Wes Anderson film. That's all I'll say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know what? It is rated R. And I... Really? Yeah, because of the nudity. And oh. I did not realize that until this moment. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, Jade, should we take a quick break and then uh, come back and talk about it a little more? Yeah. All right. Great. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few seconds for our movie review of The French Dispatch. Feature presentation. It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. For decent people. It's supposed to be charming. He assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of his time. Berenson, Sazerac, Kremens, Roebuck Wright. These were his people. Just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. Welcome back. And now it's time for our movie review of The French Dispatch, which is the latest film by Wes Anderson, playing now in... Most likely a theater near you. Yeah. In one near us. Yeah. So, you know, as always, Jay, as we kick things off here, we want to uh, go to IMDb, which is our Bible for all things movie-related oh, yeah. facts. And uh, what do they have to say about the French Dispatch? So the plot summary says, A love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. So, Jade... Right off the bat, something I want to get into. <laughs> okay. Right off the bat. There have to be 15, 20, 25 oh, A-list yeah, celebrities in this movie. 20, like, major celebrities in this film. And, like, look, I'm all about it because, you, you know, at, at face value, I'm all about it because... <laughs> Normally, when you're watching a Wes Anderson movie, you expect there to be at least, what, eight or nine A-listers yeah, throughout the film. especially because, you know, a lot of them tend to return or continue to act throughout his film. So, you know, we kind of have the usual suspects, right? Yeah. But uh, Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, you expect to show up in a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Or Owen Wilson. Yeah, probably I mean, Adrian Brody, yeah. Angelica Houston, maybe one of those. And by the way, all of those. All of those people are in they, this film as well. Yes. But <laughs> Let's you know, not I, forget. I need to look down here at my at my notes. We have we have Benicio del Toro. 
right? Showing up, Tilda Swinton. Um, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Francis McDormand. Yep. Lea Sado. Lea Sado. Uh, Timothée. Yes. Uh, Timothée. Also, <laughs> he's had a busy year. I mean. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or two years, because he, Dune. Yep. French Dispatch. What else am I missing? There, there, it's some, uh, there's one or two other films that he's been in just he recently. He done, like, Little Women. That was 2019. And yeah. The King was also 2019. And A Rainy Day in New York was 2019. I mean, he's just been running around. I mean, I don't, what is it? This guy I just he, goes from movie set to movie set, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think they're just kind of like, oh, hey, you're on this film lot. Let's just, you know, throw you in this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then the list goes, I mean, we can sit here. I mean, oh. Jeffrey Wright, who most people, I mean, I know him from Westworld. Uh, he's he was also, also Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Beatty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we have uh, obviously Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Bob Henry, Balaban. Henry Winkler plays a small oh role God. in this. Tony Revolori from Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, and then we also have Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Uh, Rupert Friend, Alex Lothar from The End of the Fucking World. Um, <laughs> Lee Schreiber, Willem Dafoe, Edward Norton, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, Saoirse Ronan. I almost uh, forgot she was even in Elizabeth, it. We just watched yes, this movie. Elizabeth Moss, Jason Schwartzman. Um, we got freaking Angelica Houston. I mean, uh, uh, the list goes everyone, on. Everyone is in this movie. And here's my problem with it. Most of the time I'm all about it because... Wes Anderson's a genius. Like we can just come out and say that. Like we know yeah, we've yeah. talked about him on the show before. <laughs> his his if you like his style of filmmaking, I mean, you understand when you watch a Wes Anderson film, you're entering into the world of Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Like yeah, the characters that he creates, that he writes, that you know, the set design that he does, which is all amazing. But there is so much talent in this movie. Jay, I don't know if you felt like this, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of it was wasted. Like, I'm gonna oh, take, definitely. Uh, let me just take one. Like Christoph Waltz, right? Like, yes. amazing actor, outstanding. I, I wish they would make like Tarantino would make an Inglorious Bastards, like maybe like a, a just just a one off yes. movie where it's just Christoph Waltz telling stories. I could watch that. All day long. Oh, my God. He has what? How much screen time do he have? Two minutes? And he sits at a dinner table and has four lines. Yes. That's all he does. He's, like, barely there. And honestly, if you, like, look down for a minute, you probably would have missed him in the entire You wouldn't even know he's in the movie. No. Like, at all. I mean, if I had gotten up in the theater to go pee during that time and came back, I would never even know Christoph (laughs) Waltz is in the film. (laughs) Like, you know. Even, you know, the the whole movie is kind of uh, begins and, and is, you know, bookended by... Bill Murray, the whole right. kind of French dispatch is about him because he's the guy that owns this magazine. It it starts off, we know he's going to die, and yes. then at the end, he does actually die. Right. But, like, even him, he has a few funny kind of throwaway lines yeah. here or there, but he doesn't get the screen time or really the character no. he gets in a lot of other Wes Anderson movies. So the way this film is set up is each... There's like these little um, vignettes and there's basically each a story that's being written about for the magazine. And so it's basically reenacted um, by the actors. And between each kind of story, it cuts to a very quick scene of like Bill Murray interacting with the reporter who has written that story. And it is again, it's like it just feels so like fast. Like you just all of a sudden Bill Murray's there for like two minutes saying, hmm, you could have cut this part out. <laughs> and then they're like, okay. I mean, he, he's good. Like he's, he, I mean, he's Bill Murray's great. great and everything, it's Murray, but, but it's just uh, wasted. But I mean, let, let's turn away from the people we thought were wasted for a minute and talk about right. some people we thought did great. I mean, Timothée. I mean, yeah, just yeah. we talked about him last week and doing 
I thought he gave an amazing performance he in this movie. He was wonderful on this, actually. And I had this like inkling to kind of want to low-key hate him because of how much people love him. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And I, but he's good. But like, he's good. He's good. I mean, you can't deny it. I loved his character of, uh, what was it, Zarelli? Zimarelli? Uh, is, yeah, something like that. We didn't yeah. need to take a lot of great notes because we watched this in theaters. So, you know, I Jay, do you feel awkward that like taking notes in a theater? Oh, my God. Well, I was also sat next to a stranger. Because so, um, uh, those ones where like, the chairs are kind of coupled together and so just me and this other lady and i'm like hi hello don't mind me (laughs) i'm just taking some (laughs) notes here oh my god i I have to so this just shows me how often i do not go to theaters now jade when the movie started i had a mini freak out because there were no subtitles (laughs) and i was like wait where are the subtitles that i so heavily rely on oh and i was like oh wait i felt that way we're in a film during jeffrey wright's monologues because he was saying things so eloquently and beautifully but i felt like i needed to digest it and because there were no (laughs) words there for me to like help aid the digestion i was like i feel like i'm missing something yeah me too (laughs) like i I am definitely going to rewatch this when it comes out in the streaming because absolutely i I didn't realize how much of a reliance I have on subtitles and captions now, but totally. like I, I rely on them because you know there's even stuff I know happening in the background, like the little yes. things that get pulled forward in the captions, and I'm like, yep. wait, wait, I'm missing something. Like something important's going on. I'm yeah. missing subtext. Why can't I figure it out? Oh so god. yeah, I wrote that down because I was like, oh my god, I, I, yeah. I can't believe that I had this. I've been watching movies at home too much. Like that's what oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, this. I mean, this film though is so brilliantly done. They, he also does this juxtaposition where because they are in France, there's like French actors who are speaking French, but then there's like people who are just speaking English back. So yes. it's like this back and forth of like English to French and English to French, and the subtitles for the French are so quick. Like Wes Anderson <laughs> you, you gives be you watching. no time. He's like, you either read it or you missed it. And you're like, dear God. And sometimes they're stacked on top of each other. Yes. So if someone's like rapidly talking, it's like just keep stacking. subtitle up here, subtitle, subtitle. And you're like, holy and shit, I'm missing something. all over the page too. So I was like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But it's cool because it, it is, the even the subtitles, the way that he weaves them in there is a little bit like you're reading a magazine. Like that's the it, type that yes. you're reading as you're well, kind of listening to the dialogue. to the artistry of the entire thing. And it made it more dynamic as well. It wasn't just, oh, here's what they're saying, but like here's emphasis on how they're saying it as well and he did that like by doing the the strange stacking of like the subtitles and um but yeah this this also felt like very we already talked about in Rushmore how he is very influenced by French New Wave and very much this is like for sure a lot more leaning of French New Wave this this seems like to me when I as I got into the first couple of minutes of this film I immediately thought of Royal Tenenbaums like this to mm, me because right. this last one was, was Isle of Dogs which is I mean, he's done animation before, but it's not what we normally expect from Wes Anderson. Right. This seems like a return to form. Like, this seems like if you had watched Royal Tenenbaums and some of his other classics, even a little bit reminds me of Grand Budapest Hotel a little bit. In some some ways, when set design, this is like, you know you're watching a Wes Anderson with the set design, with the the color schemes, the color palettes that he picks out. It just screams Wes Anderson. And it was great. Like, I, I loved that aspect of the storytelling, but... Yeah. You know, one thing before we move on, I, we're leaving out two important people because I think the two actors that stole the show in this movie, Benicio Del Toro oh. and uh, uh, Lisa Doe. Yes, yes. Amazing. Their storyline was uh, amazing. probably one of my favorites of 
like all the little stories is Benicio del Toro is like this prisoner who was a painter and Leah Sado is a prison guard and she is his muse and he paints her and uh, it was brilliantly done. I, I loved, loved the story. Yeah, I loved Between the, story, the two of them. The characters that they portrayed, uh, Leah Sado is like very like strict, but she had this kind of big heart for uh, Benicio del Toro's character as an artist. She like really encouraged him and then he was very like, he, you know, he's kind of like struggling Tormented, tormented artist, artist yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like he saw her as this kind of like exit or like you know that's his muse his his new journey through because he said like he hadn't painted in 10 years when he got arrested yeah went to prison and you know what's fun about that too is like i feel like when we were introduced to benicio del toro's character we were going to get kind of classic benicio, benicio del toro yeah. but i feel like we got something very different like yeah. something that was a little bit out of the mold for him which i yes. thought was very refreshing to see him I in this role that too like it, it didn't f- honestly it took me a minute to even realize it was him yes yeah <laughs> i was like wait a minute who is that again and i was like oh that's benicio and i was like because it's just yeah it felt very different than a lot of the roles he's done before because i feel like you're used to i mean he does play kind of a grungy character but you're used to seeing i feel like benicio del toro when i see him and things he's like this grungy smoke cigarettes like he's kind of a gangster bad guy and like they they start him out as this but then you find out he's more of this like you know heart of gold like diamond in the rough character who's like very mellow and chill and you're like he was interesting like it was very fun he was this very kind of enigmatic artistic character who just kind of you know he was just going through life he was like this is my life i'm in prison and i don't really expect anything more than this you know and it was good it was uh, ah and speaking of of you know leah sadow there was a lot of nudity in this movie, like uh, for Wes Anderson. Surprisingly, I was very surprised for Wes Anderson. I couldn't really think of another time there was nudity. I might have to go back and check if Royal Tenenbaums. I can't remember if Margot is because I know she gets in a bathtub naked. That's right. There may be a brief, like brief nudity in Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. I'm trying to remember I, too. I, yeah, I can't fully remember if there was or not, but this was like Lisa in your face. Joe was constantly standing there fully nude oh full right frontal in, naked fr- oh everything I everything mean, we saw God. all of Leah Sado in this yes, movie several yeah. times uh, yeah <laughs> several times and this is the part where I was like this feels very French because obviously yes. French nudity they're not shy about it um, but it wasn't like it wasn't sexualized to me no. at all. Like, it felt very much like this is art. art it felt know? very European. Like, if you yes. watch, especially, like, it reminded me of a lot of, uh, well, French, we say it over and over, but, like, <laughs> yes. French New Wave. Like, there, there is a way, like, if you, especially you watch classic cinema, that especially female nudity is done where it's, I want to say it feels natural. Like, I mean, Lisa knows hot. Don't get me wrong. I was like, oh, I Gorgeous. very much enjoy those scenes. But, like... <laughs> You know, it wasn't in the same way where it was like, oh, they're at a strip club or like they're having yeah, sex. I mean, it was like it was she like, is nude. Yes, like here's she this, is just nude. This is the the human form of a woman. Yes. And you're just supposed to view it as kind of that. And um, I think you did a great job like introducing that into the film without it making feel like weird, you know, or exactly. like you're uncomfortable. Like, you're, like I could watch that like with my mom. And not feel weird. I don't know if I could watch that with my mom, but like, I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, we also got some more news. Someone else was nude in this movie. Uh, who was playing? There was another actress. I don't know who she is, but uh, played opposite of oh, Timothy. Uh, Timothy. Yes, yeah, she's uh, a Chalamet. young French actress, and yeah, she did a topless scene very briefly where they alluded to um, a sex scene between her and Timothy. Um, <laughs> I love which, that. Actually, Timothy was somewhat naked because he, was. he never got out of the bathtub. I know he was shirtless like all of the time, like well, half of his. <laughs> He, he got out of this line where he's like, 
what does he say? I'm embarrassed by my muscles. Oh, no, he's like, I'm still getting used to my muscles. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. Meanwhile, he is so scrawny. Um, he really is. Sorry, Timothy. <laughs> he did not beef up for like Dune or anything. Like maybe he did, but it's unnoticeable. I think that's like he's just a small guy. He's just always been skinny, and I kind of like that they put him in these like larger hero roles, and he's just not a. He's not. Because, I mean, like, everyone else, like, you know, the Chris Pratt's and all these other guys. I mean, you know, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, they just, they work out for Well, even Tom Holland, who was so scrawny pre-Spider-Man. I mean, they just work out for six months straight and pack on muscle. Oh, my God. You know, like 20 pounds of muscle, which is crazy. For Eternals. He posted that thirst trap on Instagram. I was like, hello, Camille. (laughs) I mean, you just have to get used to someone that does push-ups, you know, 10 times a day. The best part about that Instagram post was basically he was like I apologize to my wife because my entire life was the gym and yes. eating healthy and he's like it has to be so annoying for her <laughs> there's like there's like uh, 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 remember True Blood I just remember this interview with the guy um, he's now married to uh, Sofia Vergara uh, what is his name he's oh, a goatee uh, he's oh, also in um, oh my god Magic I, Mike yes he, Joe Mangiliano he talks about like being on True Blood because he always had his shirt off in that movie yeah, and he's, he's like he's like every Everyone else is like eating at the fucking buffet table and like I'm skinny and he's like I'm over here pounding a protein shake and doing like (laughs) 75 sit-ups and push-ups in between takes just so I can like have my shirt off because he's supposed to be this like jacked werewolf so of course he's always shirtless but yeah no totally but yeah Timoteo is the only other I think uh semi-nude uh, actor, yeah. but there was a yeah, there's a a lot more than typically find in a Wes Anderson. There really film. is, but I love this. I mean, one of the the other things that I loved about this is you get the classic Wes Anderson stylized sets yes. that work so well, and Ooh. even put in a little animation into this movie as well. <laughs> the animation was hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but yeah, no, it's I you get these beautiful kind of like they almost are like uh, the cutouts that you would see on a on a stage play, where obviously you're not building a full three-dimensional set and i think a lot of what wes anderson does is meant to almost uh, emulate a stage play and um it just works so well and he does this thing throughout the entire film where he goes between black and white and color and it emphasizes certain sections of the scene whenever he does go into color um and so i think that's like a a very smart choice for him they were um very purposeful well, and you know, I think that is supposed to emulate us reading a magazine. Like right. the, all of these stories. So it's it's told in what? Three acts almost. You have three different yeah. stories plus yeah. the obituary where, where Bill Murray's character dies. But right. you start out in these black and whites and it almost feels like when you get to these color scenes, it's almost like, you know, when you open up like an old school magazine and like most of it's in black and white and you oh. get to like the center of the story and there's yes. like those three or four color, color photos. Yeah. That's really what it felt like to me as yeah. we were going through the story. Or sometimes too when it's like you think, uh, of course, text is in all black and white and then you get maybe uh, a color photo or yeah. like uh, maybe a cartoon or illustration that might be in color. But yeah, you're right. I think it very much emulated that aspect of an old magazine. It was, And, and like I said, I, I can't say enough. This, I mean, it, we keep saying French New Wave, but I mean, this was... So just really French cinema to me, because not only was there a lot of French speaking, but just everything felt very European in this, like more so than other things that he's done in the past. I feel like he's always been inspired by French cinema, but this truly felt like he was fully good, which maybe is why he got like the Nyman ovation at Cannes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like they just like clapping at Cotton. Like, yeah. I feel like <laughs> almost all those directors get great. But I mean, this deserved it. It was a great film. Like, if yes. I had watched this, especially because this film got delayed a year, we haven't yeah, really seen, you know, a real Wes Anderson movie in what, two, three years? Yeah. You know, so like, this would have been like, if I had been at Cotton, I would have clapped for almost probably fucking anything. Like, yeah, right, yes, right, right. I'm here at Cotton. Wes Anderson, we thank it, God. We made yeah. it. Yeah. No, it was brilliant. I think um, the setup of this was a little more unusual than his classic stories, which typically has one thorough storyline. Yeah. Um, and so it was a little jarring at first, like when I the film finished, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that was that yeah, was it. It was the end. But um, like, you know, thinking back on it, though, it, overall, it was just it was. It was great. I mean, to me, it was a little rock. Like, did you think it was a little rocky in the beginning? Because there were three stories. We we talked a little bit about the Jeffrey me, Wright story, yes. Benicio del Toro story, which were both great in their own way. Yes, there was one with Owen Wilson, another it was wasted the beginning. character. And I think that I think they struggled a little bit to get into this Maybe that style was it. Yeah. because basically there's like three main stories, but technically there's a fourth story, and it's the first one, and this is the one that's like fully in color the almost the entire time, and it's Owen Wilson, and he's basically introducing you to the city that they're in, Ennui, which is a fictional city, and um, it's cute, and it's kind of funny, and it, they do this like interesting thing where they show you photos of like, here's this district from the past and the present, um, and there's like clever okay. setup, but yeah. it's like... It wasn't interesting. No, and also it's... It, we didn't really know the setup of the film yet, so it felt just so kind of like random and out of place. I feel like you were kind of thrown into it and didn't yep. really... I mean, not only did we not really understand what was going on, but it just... There was no... The story itself just didn't seem to have a beginning and an end. It just no. was kind of like, here's here's some facts. Yeah, and here's, you're like, yes. okay. Like, here's the city, and you're like, oh, all right. Interesting, I guess. And it just kind of ends with him getting notes from Bill Murray about the story that he, I guess, just told us. And he's like working on his bicycle. And then that was kind of it. And that's the only time, like, besides, of course, the very end that we even see Owen Wilson. So I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It was odd. Yeah. It was just, another, again, another A-lister, I think, that only complaint about this movie is another A-lister that just really didn't have much to contribute yes. to the film overall. Which, I mean, I didn't actually look at the writing credits. Did Owen Wilson? Anderson. No, I, oh, okay. I didn't see. Yeah. No, I didn't see Owen Wilson. Because as we this. said before, Owen Wilson does write with Wes Anderson. They were f- friends. They grew up together. So they're the ones who started Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first film. So that's why I was like, you know, I don't know. Maybe Owen Wilson helped write it. Whatever. Now, but. Jason Schwartzman has a story by credit. Also, a, a Coppola has a, a, yeah. a Roman Coppola has a, a story by credit. But uh, Wes Anderson is the only uh, screenplay okay. writer, writer here uh, on yeah. IMDb. Jason Schwartzman was. Barely in this. You and I no, both commented that thirty seconds. We forgot he was in it. I forgot he was. He's until, like in the background. Yes, of most of the scenes because he's like the cartoonist of the paper. So like you almost never see him, and they almost never mention him. And then it's like the very end when they're sitting around Bill Murray after he's passed, and they're trying to write his obit. All of a sudden, there's like Jason Schwartzman, and he's like, "Oh, I drew a picture of him." Yeah, and, and you're like, like oh, "Oh, hey, Jason." I that's right. He's in this. Right <laughs> I mean, Elizabeth. We didn't really talk about her either, but uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Moss. Really, I mean, aside from a few scenes in the beginning, a few minutes in the beginning, maybe 30 seconds at the end. Yeah. She had four speaking lines, maybe five. Yeah. And that was it. Which is funny because for some reason, I think just the environment of this, she almost felt like her uh, madman character. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I think it's the hairstyle. I think it was the hairstyle. Yeah. Really, like, I think screamed. it's just like the setting yeah. that she was in. I was like, oh my God, she just almost is so much like her Madden character. But yeah. also she's only on there for like two minutes. So yeah, you mentioned this as we were leaving the theater, but uh, it was funny that this was a French film and there were so many folks, you know, speaking in French with French lines yes. and English. And Timothée, who we brought yes. up several times, speaks. He speaks fluent, fluent French. French. 
no no, no line. lines in French. Yeah. All English. He was entirely I, English. That was the first thing I noticed. As soon as we left the theater, I was like, why didn't they have, like, Timothy speak French? He speaks fluent French. And then I was like, this had to have been intentional to have him only speak English. Like, I wonder if it's one of those tongue-in-cheek things that's just like a funny joke to Wes Anderson because yes. he's like, he speaks you know, French, but I'm not going to have him do it. I felt the same way when he played in The King and he put on a fake British accent and then Robert Pattinson played the French king or prince oh yeah and i was like now you have a brit who's speaking french when you have a f- kid who's french speak with a british accent it was so bizarre i was like what is happening i here? will say you know you know having watched so many timothy movies back to back uh <laughs> dune and now uh the french dispatch you know the one thing i enjoy about him as an actor i think i'm noticing is that you're right he will change his accent or his speech pattern for the role yes which is something that annoys me about you know, just the actors that are themselves all the time. You know, like George Clooney. Yes. I can tell you exactly how George Clooney is going to play every single role. He's going to play it in Matthew the voice. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. It's just going to be Matthew McConaughey. He could play a Frenchman, uh, a freaking an insert character here. It wouldn't matter. He's going to have the same it, exact yes. delivery on that character. Yeah. Whereas at least Timothy makes you believe he is someone else because yeah. of the way he changes those things about himself. He does. I think that's what makes him very successful and I, I don't know if that has anything to do with like I, I can't remember if one of his parents is an actor or has worked in the industry Maybe. or something but either way he's probably a Coppola <laughs> yeah, by some <laughs> relation who in Hollywood is not a Coppola I feel like that should be a new game where it's just like how is this actor connected to the Coppolas <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we'll do it for like a mini or something we gotta figure it out <laughs> All right, but, uh, so for this movie, anything else that we want to bring up or should we give our rating on this film? I mean, I think we like said it all. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like I'll say, definitely go see it. I think this is if you love Wes Anderson, but Jade, if you were going to give it a rating, where would you kind of put this in the scale? You know? If you're going to give it a rating. I mean, you it, are. It, we yeah. are going to give it a rating. I don't know. I mean, if I, I, I were. say things. Um, <laughs> I think, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it a treasure. I think I'm nice. there with this. I, you know, it. I had to digest it a little bit after watching for the first time. But, you know, sitting here thinking about it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think, again, the visuals absolutely killed it. I love the cinematography. The stories were fun, brilliant. I think the actors truly gave it their all on screen. Um, you know, like, yeah, one or two notes of like I think maybe they could have done less padding with the uh, A-listers, but <laughs> it still, it's it's a brilliant Wes Anderson film. So I think yeah, treasure. I, I think this is classic. I agree with you in that terms. This is classic Wes Anderson. If you enjoy, you know, the Royal Tenenbaums, if you like Moonrise Kingdom, if you like the Grand Budapest Hotel, this is right up your alley. It yeah. is right in line with especially Grand Budapest and oh, yeah. the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. It's exactly that. So if you love those aspects of Wes Anderson, the sets, the dialogue, the writing, you know, and mm-hmm. just having every A-list actor under the sun, <laughs> yeah. you're going to love this film. But you know what, Jade? I, I was going to give it a treasure, but honestly, I think it's a gem for me right now. And and I think, okay. and I'll say, you know, it's not the movie's fault. So don't, I, just, I'm not taking anything. <laughs> it's not Wes Anderson. I think it's a me thing because I think I need to watch this movie again. I think I need to see yes. it with subtitles. I think I need to see it at home. I agree. And like, you know, maybe one or two more times just yeah. to really, really look back on it and go, is this... Is this something that I'm going to go back? Am I going to put it in my top three Wes Anderson films? You know what I mean? Like, am I going to put it up there with Rushmore? I don't know yet. I don't think I know yet. So I'm going to say, Jem, I would definitely go see it if you 
do like Wes Anderson films, and to me, it's it's probably going to be in my top five. Oh, I for would sure. Say. And, and we also saw this during a matinee. I think this is like the perfect movie to watch as a matinee film. 100%. So, you know, it's like, you know, you get price discount off of it, middle of the day, and nice chill. afternoon. Matinees are so chill. It People is are chill. just like, it's not like, maybe I sound snooty, Jade, but like, I don't enjoy going to movies anymore with like, 13 year olds teenagers teenagers just like (laughs) fucking up my movie I just want to sit and watch and relax as a former teenager who just went to the movies all the time I was was the worst asshole um yes I completely agree I was that person (laughs) that was like coming in late with spilling my popcorn like whispering and like doing all all that yeah Yeah, 100% I, I would tell adults to shut up like that was me. I was a dick. Like no, see, I don't, and I hate that. And I'm like, you know what? I respect this. You know what? Ten o'clock at night when I should be in bed anyway. That's your time. That's your time. You can have the movie theater. I, I'll come do the matinee. Yeah. yeah, I'll be the matinee. <sighs> well, anyway, that was our review of the French Dispatch, which is by Wes Anderson, of course, and it's in theaters uh, right now. So go see it. Yeah, check it out. The kids did this. Obliterated a thousand years of Republican authority in less than a fortnight. What do they want? Freedom. Full stop. I'm naked, Mrs. Cremens. I can see that. Lieutenant Nescafier is the great exemplar of the mode of cuisine known as police cooking. One hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. And once again, that was our movie review of the French Dispatch in theaters. And you know, Jade... When we were in the theater, I just realized how many movies I actually want to see. Like, almost every trailer, I was yes. like, yes, yes, Well, and yes. there were some that I had never even heard of until I saw the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay. There's well, great stuff coming out. You know, one for me was Nightmare Alley. Like, I knew that... Um, I can never say his Guillermo name. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro was coming out with a new movie, but I didn't realize it was this one. Yes. And it looks very interesting like yeah they didn't quite give away the plot no um it's a lot of just interesting visuals um but it looks like super cool and creepy it's like the old-fashioned like circus yeah it's like it's like a very carny atmosphere we have uh, bradley cooper you've got uh, kate blanchett in this i mean it and even William Defoe, like I feel like William Defoe is always in everything kind of creepy. Like you know, he was just recently in the yeah. Lighthouse. But I mean, <laughs> well, also I should say he's in creepy things, and then he's just in Marvel things. Like recently, that's right. what he does. Random, yeah. Um, but it looks really good. It looks kind of. It looks very on brand for Guillermo del Toro. Yes, Guillermo. <laughs> but it, I mean, the trailer like piqued my interest, and I was like, Mark in IMDb, yes, want to go see this? Yes, for sure. What about you? Um. Definitely going to say Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, This might be controversial for some people who did not like the reboot with Kristen Wiig. But um, this is actually following in the same timeline, even though technically I think the Kristen Wiig one was supposed to be part of the Mm -hmm. previous. But this one actually is fully supposed to be part of the Ghostbusters like story. This stars Paul Rudd who I think was just so funny and brilliant. <laughs> and then we have um, the kid uh, from, Finn uh, Wolfhard, whatever, from Stranger Things. Things. yeah. And McKenna Grace, who you guys probably have seen her in a million things. She plays the young version of every actress in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Jay, I wanted to hate this trailer, but when I, I saw know. it, I got really excited. I was like, oh my yes. goodness. Because I didn't hate the, the female version by any means. It's just, it just didn't feel ghost. It didn't feel... It didn't have the same, yeah. like, vibe, the same kind of humor and energy. It was good. It just wasn't – it didn't feel in line with the same, uh, you know, style. But this 
I think they hit the nostalgia a little bit more in this film. And I think the grandioseness of, I think, what's going to be happening. I think they open like a portal to hell. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for it. It looks fun. And apparently Bradley Cooper has been insanely busy because he's also in the new Paul... uh, Paul, what am I trying to say? Paul, uh, Paul uh, Thomas Anderson. Yes. I wanted to say Wes Anderson again, but Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Which is kind of this odd, quasi uh, like love story kind of a thing. Yeah. Barbara Streisand's mentioned in it. Yes. Although I don't think she's actually in the movie, but it looks, I mean, pretty much. It, it, I mean, it's freaking, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Just I'll give it's me, like I'll give you my 1970s, money. 1970s. Uh, seems to be like somewhat to do with Hollywood. Young kids in love like uh yeah and you have sean penn you have john c Riley, you have uh maya rudolph i mean the cast list sign me up like yeah. I'm, I'm in um anything else very quickly that you're getting excited for yeah probably gonna be the next installment in the kingsman oh. series it's the king's man so this is an yes. origin story and the cast list on this is incredible we have ralph fines uh harris dickinson jim arterton jimon hansu matthew good aaron taylor johnson stanley tucci i mean like Everyone yes, is in this. Yeah. Reese Ephens, Daniel Brühl, who, by the way, Reese Ephens plays Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. It looks like <laughs> Dude, his character in this looks incredible. I actually really love the story of um, Rasputin, uh, the historical character. Yes. And so I, I think it's just going to be another fun, funny action romp. Like, I. I I'm here for it. I think you had said anything you do with the Kingsman. I'm you can't in. go wrong with the Kingsman at this point. No. I mean, like that was one of those movies that I randomly watched, had zero expectations, and it blew me away. Yes. And, and every one of the sequels is just as fun. It's, it's like so good. It's like John Wick, but better. I mean, like same, yeah. I, I feel the same way about John Wick. Like sign me up. I don't care if there's yeah. twenty. John Wick Four. I'm here. Done. I'll be like, there. It's in great. Theaters. Like yeah. it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's great. But. You know what I'm really excited for? Jade, which is going to be our next movie review next week. Yes. We talked about this weeks ago. Or You've weeks, been excited ago. since the first trailer dropped. I've been waiting to watch this movie. I saw it. It pinged on my Netflix. Yep. The harder they fall. Yes. I am so excited for this. I love Western movies. And yes. this, I hope this, this does like not This is a little bit hit. of a modern Western. It does seem like a modern Western. Yeah. And it's primarily an African-American cast. I mean, it, it's just loaded with people. It it seems. Freaking, I will watch yeah. anything. Uh, Idris Elba is in. Wait, is he in this? I, one? Idris Elba. Yeah. Idris, I'm, wait, I'm looking at the cast. I'm pretty sure Idris Elba's in this. Why is he not top build? I, okay, that's why I got confused. I'm, I'm like, pretty sure he's in this uh, film, but uh, I guess I have like Jonathan Majors is in this. Um, why can't oh, I find him? Idris uh, is. He's Idris, yeah. He's, I was like, he's like the guy in all the trailers book. for this. Yeah. Anyway. This is going to be a great film. Uh, Regina King, that's the other one I couldn't think uh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we got Edie Damon Wayans Jr. This got a ton of press in Incredible. several uh, you know, film festivals, so I'm excited to watch. Uh, watch it. It's on streaming now on Netflix. It's called The Harder They Fall. I can't wait to talk about it next week. And in fact, I convinced uh, another podcaster to come and talk with us about the that's film. That's right. One of my buddies, uh, Nick, Nick Vinzant, he is the host of the podcast Profoundly Pointless, which if you haven't checked that out, go listen to an episode. It's everything the name implies. It's hilarious. <laughs> so give that a listen and he'll be with us next week to talk about this film. But uh, anything else we should tell the people before we wrap it up, Jade? 
Yeah, just remember to uh, rate, review, and follow for our podcast. It really helps us out. And uh, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and our website, OurTasteIsTrash.com. Awesome. Well, come back next week for our movie review of The Harder They Fall. We'll see you next week. Get ourselves a treat.